And uh, this morning, uh, we're going to wrap up our series entitled Unleashed. And if you want to look with me in Psalms 81, verse 10, uh, I want to just encourage you real quick also, if you're not utilizing our Liberty Church app, uh, on the Liberty Church app, you can actually see the entire sermon outline with all the answers filled in the blank. There's a place for you to take notes. You can email it to yourself. So if you're a note taker and you really enjoy kind of re-digesting uh, the messages that we talk about on Sunday morning, it really is a great resource for you to use. And so I want to just encourage you to uh, take advantage of that. But Psalms 81 verse 10, the Bible says this, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. So we said three weeks ago as we kind of started this message that the heartbeat of this message is really all about us learning how to open wide our mouths, to open our mouths and let God fill our mouths with his word. And we've been learning how that our words really have spiritual authority. That your words have spiritual authority over every area and every realm of your life. We looked at Proverbs 18:21 that says, death and life is in the power of the tongue. We looked at Matthew 16 where Jesus said, behold, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven so that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so we've been diving into understanding the power of our Words. So look at that first point for all you note takers this morning. So we learned a couple weeks ago how the power of praise creates an atmosphere, right? God inhabits the praises of his people and that through your praise, when we open our mouths and begin to praise God, we create an atmosphere that literally creates an open heaven in our life for God to work and for God to move in us. We also learned last Sunday, think about this, we learned last Sunday that the power of prayer changes the atmosphere. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person, the Bible says, avails much. And through the power of prayer, we can literally change the atmosphere. We can change darkness to light. We can change sickness to healing. We can change bondage to liberty as we begin to pray and intercede and stand in the gap for people in our lives and people that we Love And all of a sudden, through the power of prayer, our words can shape the nations of the world. I may never be invited to the White House, but my prayers are infiltrating what's happening there. I promise you right now, President Biden is being impacted by the prayers of a little preacher in Arab, Alabama, as I pray for him on a regular basis that God would visit him in dreams and visions and reveal himself to him. I pray for his salvation and the transformation of his soul. I pray for the generational curse that's on him to be broken and broken off of his family so that his children and his children's children can one day know the Lord. Amen. Are your prayers changing the White House? Because that's the power of your prayers. I may never be invited to go, but I'm going every day. <laughs> I'm going every day to the White House. I got to pray just this past week for Pastor Cesar. He's a pastor I met in Honduras. And just this past week or last week on the 20th, he actually had an opportunity to go before the president of El Salvador and represent the body of Christ. And I had an opportunity to go with him through my prayers. <laughs> and I may never be invited to meet with the president of El Salvador, but Pastor Carlos was invited and my prayers were in that room with him 
that day because that is the power of prayer. The power of praise is it creates an atmosphere. The power of prayer is that it changes the atmosphere around the world in our hearts and our lives and in the lives of other people. And then today, today as we wrap this series up, we're going to learn how the power of prophecy, the power of prophecy activates the atmosphere and literally sets in motion the will of God. Let me just go ahead and preempt this just a little bit. As we're going to talk about prophecy, there are a couple elements of prophecy, and I'm going to kind of hone in on a specific element of prophecy. What we're not going to talk about today is we're not talking about end-time prophecy. We're not talking about the prophecy that God has spoken, the prophecy that has already determined the beginning from the end. How many know God's going to do what he said he's going to do? Come on, somebody. And whether you and I are respond, responsive to what God is going to do or, or working with or working against him, God is going to do what he said he's going to do. And he's going to bring an end to this world and he's going to usher in a new and a living world, a new heaven and a new earth according to his word. And he's already spoken it. And what he has spoken with his mouth, his hand, the Bible says, will Perform. So we're not going to necessarily be talking about end time prophecy. We're not even really going to be talking today about the prophetic ministry of prophecy. For those of you guys that are part of Liberty Church, you know that we actually believe in prophetic ministry. What is prophetic ministry? It's prophetic ministry is that God will speak through one person to another person, right? God will give me a word for you. I hope he does that every Sunday through the preaching and teaching of the word of the Lord. But God will give specific words to specific people on behalf of other people. You know why? Because God loves us that much. And every third Sunday, we have our four corners of prayer. And typically over here to my left, we have our prophecy corner where we have people that are gifted in the gift of prophecy. And they will pray over you. And as the Lord speaks to them, they will speak to you and give you the word of the Lord. But we're really not even going to talk about that element of prophetic ministry today. So today what I want to talk to you about, what I really feel like the Lord wants us to drill down on is what I just want to call personal prophecy. And what I mean by personal prophecy is I want to talk to you today about the consistent confession of your mouth. The consistent confession of your mouth. Because the consistent confession of your mouth is creating self-fulfilling prophecies. The consistent confession of your mouth, the things that you're saying about yourself, about your family, about your life, on a daily consistent basis, those consistent confessions are becoming self-fulfilling prophecies that are shaping and determining the course of your life. You are either setting in motion the will of God for your life, if you open your mouth and let God fill it. Or you are actually setting in motion Satan's plan for your life, which is to steal, kill, and destroy. Your words, as we've been saying over the last few weeks, are either creating an open heaven through which God is working or an open door through which Satan steals, kills, and destroys. And so today we want to drill down on that element of personal prophecy. And we kind of know this to be true. Let's just think about it just analytical for just a second. Think about all the I can't people you know. You know those I can't people, man, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do this, I can't change, I can't get out of debt, I can't seem to turn this thing around, I can't seem to get out of this bondage, I, I can't quit, I can't lose weight, I can't gain weight, I can't do this, I, I just can't. And you know what you know about all those I can't people? <laughs> they actually can't do the things, that, the things they say they can't do. <laughs> 
Their I can't words, their continual consistent confession have become self-fulfilling prophecies that have determined the course and the nature of their life. They can't do the things they say they do and they continually and consistently don't do the things they say they can't do because they can't do it. But we also know the I can people. Y'all know the I can people? Man, I can do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? I can restore my marriage. I can come up and come out of these things that are hindering me. I can be healed. I can be delivered. I can be restored. My family can be saved. I can be used by God. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And you know what you know about those I can people? They do what they say they can do. You can't stop an I can person, and you can't help an I can't person. Let me say that again. You can't stop an I can person, and you can't help an I can't person. You ever tried to help an I can't person? I try to help them all the time. And you know what? Their words, which become daily prophecies, override my temporal, sporadic assistance. See, I don't live with them. And I can interject to them, and I can encourage them, and I can support them, and I can even bail them out. But at the end of the day, it's the words of their mouth that is dictating and setting in motion the course of their life. And you can't stop an I can person, and you can't help an I can't person until that I can't person decides they want to become an I can. Come on, somebody. I had a guy come up to me after first service. He said, Pastor Keith, he said, I heard this a long time ago. He said, God told me, he says, success comes in a can. And failure comes in a I can't. <laughs> I can is how you succeed, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So today, what we're going to drill down on is not so much the prophetic ministry of looking to the end times events, not even the prophetic ministry of prophesying one to another, but we're going to talk today about the power of the prophetic words that are coming out of your mouth every single day that are creating an atmosphere, literally activating an atmosphere of life or death and setting in motion the things that either God wants to do or Satan wants to do to bring life or death to you this morning. Amen? Amos chapter 3, verse 7 and 8 is a great scripture. Amos says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless He reveals His secrets to His servants, the prophet. Surely the Lord does nothing unless He reveals His secrets to His servants, the prophet. Let me just say it like this. God doesn't do anything until He says something. God says it before He does it. Just go back to the book of Genesis and you'll find out that in the beginning God said, and God said, and God said. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the deep and darkness covered the deep and there was chaos and confusion and God said, and when God said it, the Spirit manifested it. Because God always says what He's going to do before He ever does it. And let's be honest, you do the same thing. You're in the living room with your family watching TV and you'll get up and say, I'm going to the bathroom. Well, we know you're going to the bathroom. You, every time you get up in the middle of the movie and pause it, you're going to the bathroom. But you tell us every time you go in the bathroom. You know why? Because you were created in the image and likeness of God. And you may not realize it and you may not understand it. Before you do something, you say something. That's the power of prophetic utterance. Your words are literally shaping and setting in motion the things that are going to dictate and control the future of your life. So God, the Bible says, does nothing unless He reveals it to His servants, the prophets. Verse 8 says, A lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord has spoken. Who can but prophesy? 
How many know God has spoken? Anybody agree with that? How many know God's still speaking? Can anybody agree with that? Man, he, he has spoken and he is still speaking. And Amos the prophet said, if God has spoken, then who can but prophesy? If God's saying something, we got to be saying something. And we need to be saying what God is saying over our lives and in our world if we want to see what God wants to do be manifested in us and for us. Look at that next point. So you may not be a prophet. There are prophets, by the way. Ephesians 4 tells us that in the New Testament church, we have the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. And the prophet, that prophetic office, many times those people will deal with, with, with futuristic, predictive elements of what God is doing in the earth or in the lives of other people. And you may not be that person. That's totally okay. But as a New Testament believer, if you're born again, if you're saved, if you're going to heaven, if Jesus is Lord of your life, then you are called and you are anointed to prophesy. You are called and you are anointed to prophesy. Acts chapter 2, look what Peter says. It's the day of Pentecost, 120 people in the upper room, and God pours out His Spirit on the church, right? God pours out His Spirit on those 120 people, and out of that 120 people, God bursts the New Testament church. And as they all begin, as they receive the Holy Spirit, they begin to speak in other tongues, the Bible says, and declare the wonderful works of God. And over 14 different nationalities of, of dialect of tongues were there, and all the different people heard them speaking in their own language. And then somebody said, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. They must be drunk. <laughs> I mean, no drunk people do crazy things. And then Peter jumps up. Look at this, Acts 2. And Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd. Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. 9 o'clock in the morning is way too early for that. No, what you see was predicted. Listen to this. What you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Jo Peter says, hey, what's happening now in the New Testament is what was prophesied by Joel in the Old Testament. What you're seeing is the fulfillment of a prophecy that God released years, hundreds of years before this ever manifested or happened in the earth. And then he goes on and look what he says. He actually quotes Joel, the prophet, and this is what he says in the last days God says I will pour out my spirit on who all people, all people. how many of y'all are all people he will pour out my spirit on all people your sons and your daughters how many sons and daughters of the king in the house today hey if you're not you need to remedy that before you go home today amen and he will pour out his spirit on your sons and your daughters and they will what your sons and your daughters will what they will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants. Any servants of the Lord in the house today? Come on, somebody. Even, look what he says, on your men and women. How many men or women in the house today? And look what it says. And they will what? And they will prophesy. So everybody raised your hand. And even those of you that didn't raise your hand, you just qualified. If you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you are qualified. You are called and you're anointed to prophesy. And there is prophetic ministry. And again, we're not talking about it. We actually have a prophetic training class. If you're interested in that, we can hook you up. Come on, somebody. We can help you grow in the grace and knowledge of God in that ministry of the prophetic ministry at work in the body of Christ. But let's talk about that personal prophecy. Let's talk about the fact that you are gifted and you are called. The fact that the New Testament church was birthed into existence because of a prophecy. And then look at verse 41. 
And it says, and those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 people in all. So not only was it a prophecy that produced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but it was also through 120 people who Peter says they were prophesying. Even though they were speaking in other tongues or other languages, they were prophesying and declaring the works of God. They were declaring the goodness of God. And everybody heard them, the Bible says, hearing and declaring the works of God. And so 120 people began to prophesy. They began to proclaim the wonderful works of God. And as a result of the prophetic utterance of the body of Christ, 3,000 people got saved and the New Testament church was birthed into existence. Let me just say it to you like this. Liberty Church exists today because in Acts 2, somebody prophesied. Me and you are here today because in Acts 2, 120 people opened their mouths and began to declare the wonderful works of God. And because they opened their mouths and began to declare the wonderful works of God, 3,000 people got saved. And out of those 3,000 people, God birthed the New Testament church. And out of that New Testament church, year after year after year after year after year, somewhere along the lines, 2,000 years later, God birthed Liberty Church. And here we are today because in Acts chapter 2, somebody prophesied. See, that's the power of prophecy. It sets in motion the will of God in the earth. It sets in motion things that God wants to do. And let me just encourage you today because the personal prophecies that you speak over your life are not just for your life because God wants to do things through your life when you're dead and gone. And 2,000 years later, if the Lord should tarry, I doubt that he will, but if 2,000 years later, if the Lord should tarry, I hope that this world is being transformed for the glory of God because of the prophetic voice that's coming out of Liberty Church. Come on, somebody. Because people like me and you, like 120 people in the upper room, are willing to be filled with the Holy Spirit and willing to open our mouths and decree and declare the good things that God has, is, and will do in the earth. Amen? So, prophecy. Look at that next point. Prophecy is powerful, but we have to open our mouths to prophesy. We have to open our mouths to praise. We have to open our mouth to pray. And we have to open our mouths to prophesy. Why? Because death and life in the power of your tongue. The word prophecy in its most basic definition means to speak by divine inspiration. Just to speak under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So I want to give you a couple context of how we receive the inspiration of the Lord to prophesy and begin to speak over our lives those things that God desires to do in us. Look at that next point. So prophecy is saying what God is saying. And because you can hear his voice, you can prophesy. What is prophecy? Prophecy is, one element of prophecy is it's divine inspiration. How do I get divine inspiration? How am I inspired by the Holy Spirit to prophesy and to speak those things that God wants to do in my life and in the earth? Well, he speaks to me, right? Prophecy is simply saying what God is saying. We said it a while ago. This is your Bible, right? It's the B-I-B-L-E. It's called the Logos Word. This is the written word. And we also have what's called the Rhema Word where God speaks. How many know God speaks through the Scriptures? God speaks by the Holy Spirit. How many of you know God will speak through circumstances? God will speak through lost people. God will use broken things to proclaim prophetic words because this is why. Look what Jesus said. I want you to hear this. Because you can hear, you can prophesy. John 10, 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice 
and I know them, and they follow me. Jesus said, if you're his sheep, if you're born again, then you can hear the voice of God. So what does that mean? It means if you can't hear God's voice, then maybe you're not God's sheep. If you can't hear the voice of God, you ought to be concerned that you're not hearing anything because let me tell you something, God's speaking. God is speaking. He's not silent. You know why? Because God doesn't do anything unless he says something. How many know God's working? 52 people got born again yesterday. That lets me know God's still working. Come on, somebody. God's still saying something. He's still saying something. And guess what? When we begin to say what God is saying, it's one thing for us to say what God has said, but it's another thing for us to say what God is saying. It is the quickened word. And guess what? If you can hear the voice of God, you can speak the word of God. You can prophesy. Now, let me just tell you what I think a challenge is. I think a challenge is most Christians are hearing the voice of God. They're just not recognizing the voice of God. So let me just dive down just a little bit. I want to give you some practical stuff real quick. How do you know what, when you're hearing the voice of God? Because if you're born again, you should be hearing the voice of God. So how do you know when you're hearing the voice of God? Well, have you ever, have you ever been minding your own business, doing your own thing, and all of a sudden you had this thought about somebody and you thought, man, I need, to, I need to check on them. You had this thought in your mind, I need to pray for them. I, I, need, I need to follow up on them. Have you ever, you ever been doing your own thing at the, at the store, grocery store, or Walmart, or wherever you're at, and all of a sudden you see somebody and you feel like, man, I just, I just need to give them $20. Or you're at the gas pump and you're thinking, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus, I ought to buy their gas. You ever had those little prompts? You ever felt prompted to invite somebody to church? You ever felt prompted to pray for somebody, maybe personally, privately, maybe even go up to them and say, hey, would you care if I pray for you? You ever felt any of that crazy stuff? Let me tell you something. That is the voice of the Lord. That is the Lord speaking to you through the promptings and leadings of the Holy Spirit. Let me just tell you something. You're not that good. And you're not that kind. And you're not that compassionate apart from God. The selfless, compassionate, caring, giving, generous, wonderful things that you desire to do to help other people that's not going to benefit you in other, any other way, that's not you. <laughs> that's God. And every time you feel that, every time you sense that, every time you have that thought, that idea in your heart, in your mind, that is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. He is prompting you. He is trying to lead you. He is encouraging you. And He is releasing what the Bible calls faith. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The word, word there is rhema. It's the spoken word, the quickened word. How many know you can read your Bible and get nothing? I meet people all the time who spent their whole lives reading the Bible and don't understand it. But then by the Holy Spirit, you can read it and this thing will come alive. I mean, I'm just telling you, this book speaks. I'll never forget, I was 19 years old and I went to the Bible. I was a Christian, been, been saved since I was 15. But at age 19, I went to the Bible and I said, God, I want to know you. And I began to acknowledge the Holy Spirit in my life. And he began to speak and this thing came alive. And all of a sudden, I began to see things and I began to hear things and I began to know things that I had no way of seeing, hearing, or knowing prior to the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because God speaks to His children. you got to be willing. You remember the old prophet Eli in the Old Testament? He had Samuel. He was raising up Samuel. And the Lord spoke to Samuel three times. And three times Samuel thought it was prophet, the prophet, the, the, uh, Eli the priest. And Eli finally said, go. And if you hear the voice again, just say, speak, Lord, for your servant listens. Man, that's a good little prayer. Just to get up on a regular occasion and say, Lord, just speak, Lord, because your servant listens. I'm listening, God, because God's speaking. And so God speaks to us, and, and prophecy is saying what God is saying. And this is powerful, because when God speaks, it releases faith. When you hear the voice of God, 
It releases faith into your heart. See, I, my prayer is that when I preach, I ask God, Lord, I thank you today for prophetic utterance. That's one of the prayers I pray as I preach. Lord, I thank you today that as I preach, it's going to bring forth prophetic utterance to the body of Christ. Why? Because I know that the preaching and teaching of the Word of God under the anointing and inspiration of the Holy Spirit will impart faith. You ever come to church and got faith? You ever come to church and walk down here and say, man, I can be healed, I can be delivered, I can do this, we're going to make it, our marriage is going to be restored, we're going to live for God, we're going to do the things God's called us to do, and you walk out of here with a spirit of faith. Why? Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It is that quickened Word that comes by the Holy Spirit that energizes your heart with faith. And when God releases his word, he's releasing faith. Why? Because God then wants you to do something. Look at our next scripture. 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says this, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke, and we also believe, therefore we speak. How many know faith speaks? When you believe something, you speak something. And when God speaks to you, a word of healing, a word of deliverance, a word of breakthrough, a word of direction, or even a word of correction, it releases faith in your heart. So you can begin to say what God is saying and ultimately do what God is wanting to do in your life. Next Sunday, we're going to celebrate the 24th anniversary of Liberty Church. And Liberty Church began with a word from God. Over 24 years ago, about 25 years ago, in my quiet time, I got a word from God. God spoke to me. And he said, I want you to build, listen to this, he said, I want you to build North Alabama's greatest church. North Alabama's greatest church. That's what he said to me. And he began to show me all these things, but the Lord spoke to me. And he said, I want you to win souls, make disciples, destroy the works of the I want you to create an interdenominational church. I said, Lord, what's an interdenominational church? I've never even heard of that. I know what non-denominational is. What's interdenominational? He said, I want you to take the strengths of every denomination. I want you to bring them together under one roof. And I want you to build North Alabama's greatest church. And he told me several times, he said, Keith, I'm not talking about biggest church. I'm talking about greatest church. I'm talking about the church that's going to make the greatest impact. And literally God said, you're going to shake the nations. Liberty Church is going to shake the nations for the glory of God. And so when the God spoke that to me, I began to say what God was saying. I began to say it privately. Because I'm like, boy, I can't tell anybody this. This sounds crazy. And then I began to speak it, not just privately, I began to speak it, speak it in small groups of people that I knew trusted me, loved me. And then I began to speak it publicly. And for the first few years of Liberty Church, I would regularly say, God has called us to build North Alabama's greatest church. And after several years of ministry, and God was doing amazing things, I had a man in our church that I trusted greatly. And I still, I, I love the man. He's then went home to be with the Lord. But he was an older man. And he came up to me one Sunday after I'd said that. He said, Pastor Keith, he said, I want to just challenge you on something. I said, okay. He said, I don't think you should say that anymore. He said, it sounds prideful when you say we're building North Alabama's greatest church. And immediately I thought, I don't want to be prideful. And I respected this man. He was, he was a pillar in our church, and I respected him. I looked up to him. And so I, I went home, and I remember thinking to myself, well, Lord, I, I don't want to be prideful. And I don't want to offend people, and I don't want to come across the wrong way. And so I, I, I stopped saying it. And I started changing my confession. I talked about us being a good church and a great church and winning souls and making disciples. But I stopped saying for several years that we were North Alabama's greatest church. And several years later, one day I was praying and I had said something about the church and we were a great church and we were a soul winning church and we were a disciple making church. And the Holy Spirit checked my heart and he said, Keith, what did I say about liberty? Liberty. 
I said, well, you said it was North Alabama's greatest church. He said, well, then why aren't you saying what I'm saying? Why aren't you saying what I'm saying? I said, Lord, I repent. I repent and I confess my sin and I ask you to forgive me of the sin that I committed by compromising your word for the word of man, allowing the fear of man to be greater than the fear of God. And so I'm unashamedly declaring to you today and every day that Liberty Church is North Alabama's greatest church and we are reaching the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ and we are just getting started in what God wants to do. But you've got to understand, you've got to begin to say what God says over your life. Because if you don't say what God says over your life, you will allow the world to define you. I'm just going to tell you, they're always going to sell you short. Because the world never sees your full potential like God does. Amen? Look at that next point. Prophecy is not just saying what God is saying, but prophecy is saying what you're seeing. Because God will show us what he wants to do. It's not just saying what God is saying, but it's also saying what you're seeing. Because God will give you dreams and visions. Joel too, right? I'll give you dreams and visions. Not only am I going to pour out my spirit and you're going to prophesy, but I'm going to give you dreams and visions. I'm going to show you things that I want to do in the earth. Look at John 16. Jesus said, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you what? Things. He's not going to speak on his own authority, but he's going to tell you things to come. He will glorify me, verse 14. He'll take of what is mine and declare it to you. And all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said he will take of what is mine and he will declare it to you. So not only do we prophesy by saying what God is saying, but we also say what we're seeing. See, because this is what I know about you guys. Man, God showed some awesome stuff to you about you. God showed you some things. You've had dreams and visions of what you believe and know God's called you to do. And there's some things that God has put in your heart. And you see some things that God wants to do. You see some things in your family. You see some things in your children. You see some things about your future. And you know God has his hand on you. And you see it. But you got to start saying what you're seeing. And again, I'm not saying broadcast it on social media. I'm not saying stand on a podium somewhere and declare it to the world. I'm saying you got to begin in your daily life a continual confession of beginning to say what you see by the Spirit of God. Now, what you see and what God says always lines up with what His Word has already spoken. Amen? So don't get weird and goofy on us. We love you enough, we'll call you out. Okay? you got to say what you're seeing. Now, let me just say this about personal prophecy. Personal prophecy is contingent upon your obedience to the Lord. God will show you what he wants to do. But your obedience is a defining mark into whether you will actually do the very thing God has purposed for your life. So you can obey or disobey. You can submit or you can rebel. You can work with God or you can work against the Lord in doing the thing that he has purpose and planned for your life. Let me give you a little personal example here out of my life. So four years ago, four years ago, the Lord spoke to me one day in prayer and he showed me something. This is what he showed me. He showed me that I was going to physically die before I spiritually fulfilled his purpose for me. I was 290 pounds, I was overweight, and I was out of shape. And the Lord showed me, he said, Keith, you're going to physically die before you fulfill spiritually what I've purposed for your life. 
And when the Lord showed me that, it wasn't to scare me, it wasn't to intimidate me, it was to redeem me. And God showed me a revelation. He showed me what was to come. If you stay on this path, if you keep doing what you've been doing, if you keep living like you've been living, if you keep eating like you've been eating, then you're going to die physically before you fulfill spiritually the purpose I have for you. And four years ago when the Lord showed me that, there were a lot of other confirmations. I'm just going to tell you. And this is the first time I've ever publicly shared it. I don't even know if I've ever told this to Kelly. Four years ago when that happened, I had, to, I had to get real with God. And I had to decide, was God's purpose more important than my natural appetite? Was what God called me to do more important than me living the way I wanted to live? Or did I want to live my life for His glory and I want to fulfill everything He called me to do? So four years ago, I began this confession. I began to prophesy. Lord, I thank you. I'm losing weight and getting in shape. I begin to go to the gym. I begin to change the way I eat. I begin to lose weight. 70 pounds later, four years later, 70 pounds later, I'm still losing weight and getting in shape, building muscle. And four years ago, amen. Four years ago, I implemented my little hashtag on Facebook. If you ever follow anything on Facebook, I'm going to live long and preach the gospel. The heartbeat behind live long and preach the gospel was a prophetic vision that God gave me that if I didn't change the path I was on physically, I was going to die physically before I fulfilled spiritually what he had called me to do. Now listen, my obedience determined whether that prophecy was fulfilled or not fulfilled. God wasn't showing me an early death so I would die. God was showing me an early death so I wouldn't die. Amen? Look at that next point. I want to lead into this. Prophecy strengthens, encourages, and comforts. And prophecy is redemptive, not destructive in nature. 1 Corinthians 14, 3 says, But one who, the, the one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. Prophecy strengthens, encourages, and comforts. As we minister through the ministry of prophecy, it strengthens, encourages, and comforts. But as you operate under personal prophecy, the words of your mouth, if they're not strengthening, encouraging, and comforting, if they're not redemptive, think about it like this. Your words over your life should give life, not death. They should be redemptive, not destructive. We should be speaking redeeming words. I'm losing weight and getting in shape. That was a confession of redemption. I'm going to redeem my life from destruction. I'm not going to die early. I'm going to live my life to my fullest potential and do what God has called me to do. And you got to think about the words that you're speaking over your life. Are they destructive or are they redemptive? Do they strengthen? Do they encourage or do they comfort you? Or do they undermine the very work? Think about it like this. Prophecy is never intended to push you down. Prophecy is intended to call you up. Let me give you a little funny story. Brother Rod years ago, Brother Rod had just started coming to Liberty Church. And Brother Rod flows very freely in the prophetic ministry. We were in our downtown campus and Brother Rod had just got through finishing the service. He had prophesied over a bunch of people and it was amazing. We went down to my office down in the basement over there and uh, he said, well, Pastor Keith, he said, how did I do? You know, he didn't know anybody, didn't know anything about anybody and he just flowed in the gift of prophecy and prophesied over a bunch of people. He said, well, how did I do? I said, Brother Rod, it was amazing. I said, man, it was amazing. You nailed it and you nailed it and you nailed it and you nailed it and you nailed it. It was amazing. He didn't know anything about anybody and it just right on the money. I said, except for, except for that one couple. I said, you remember that one couple? I said, you prophesied over them that they were a model couple, 
that they were going to be an example and strengthen and empower other couples to live for the Lord? He said, yeah, I remember that couple. I said, well, they're not even married. They're living together in sin. <laughs> I said, I think you missed it. I'll never forget what Brother Rod said. He said, well, I got flesh, and I do miss it. So where are we going for lunch? <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> really sorry. Where are we eating? Now, I couldn't settle there. So that week I'm in prayer, and I'm like, Lord, what happened? And I'll never forget, the Lord said, Brother Rod didn't miss it. I, I said, no, no, Lord, Lord. He, he said they were a model couple. They were an example. They were going to be an inspiration. They were going to help other couples. They're living in sin. They're not married. It's not good. Nothing example or model about their marriage because they're not even married. And the Lord said, he didn't miss it. I said, what do you mean he didn't miss it? He said, that couple knew they were in sin. He said, but what they didn't know, what they didn't know is what I wanted to do with their life. And he said, when Brother Rod prophesied over them that they were a model couple, he was prophesying what I wanted to do. He was prophesying what I desired to do. He was prophesying the life that they could have if they would only obey me. He said they didn't need anybody to tell them they were in sin. They knew that. They needed to hear the word of the Lord. They needed to know what I thought about them, which was not condemnation and judgment. It was love and compassion and redemption because I wanted to call them up. He said, Keith, but you wanted to put them down. And all of a sudden you realize the power of the prophetic. It doesn't put us down. It doesn't condemn us. Oh, it calls out sin. It deals with sin. God never winks at sin. But he calls us higher to be what he's called us and created us to be. You guys still good? Y'all with me? All right, let me give you one last point right here. and We're going to hang out here. And I apologize. I don't have 30 minutes to give you this last point. But I don't. Because this last point is worth about 30 minutes of preaching. But I'm going to give it to you in about five. Prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. It bears witness with the work, the will, and the word of God. When we testify of what Jesus has done, think about this. When we testify of what he has done, we prophesy what he will do. And it is the testimony of Jesus that brings salvation and transformation into a lost and a broken world. Prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Revelations 19 verse 10 says this. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The NLT says it like this. For the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus Christ. See, when we testify about what he has done, we prophesy to others of what he can do. When we testify of what he has done, we prophesy to others of what he can do. And let me just say this to you. Satan has used fear to intimidate and silence the church. Isn't it amazing, isn't it amazing that we will talk about anything and everything to the people in the world except for the testimony of who Jesus Christ is? We'll talk about the sports, we'll talk about the weather, we'll talk about what we've been binge watching on network and Netflix. But when you're on your job, when you're with your family, when you're hanging out with friends, let me tell you something, let me just tell you this. Every day God gives us unlimited opportunities to prophesy. By simply testifying 
of what he has done. Every time you go to work, every time you get around a group of people, you know what you're going to hear? You're going to hear people talk about their problems, their pain, their suffering, their anxiety, their worry, their marriage, their relationships, their kids. Everybody's going to talk about some kind of problem, challenge, or difficulty that they have in their life. And their problem, hear me, is your prophecy. Their problem is your prophecy. Because when they talk about having a problem in their marriage, you get to say, well, man, you know what? Me and my wife, we used to never get along. And all of a sudden, man, we came to Christ. And let me tell you what Jesus began to do in our marriage. And they start talking about how they have anxiety and they battle with depression. And you say, hey, let me tell you, let me tell you about what God did in my life. You know, I used to be anxious all the time. I used to worry about everything. But when I begin to study the Word and I begin to pray and I begin to really cast my cares on the Lord, it's amazing how God's peace began to fill my mind. Every time they give you a problem, it's an opportunity for a prophecy. Because when you testify, you prophesy. And everybody in here has dealt with relationship problems and everybody in here has dealt with financial problems and everybody in here has had challenges in their family and mental and spiritual and, and emotional challenges and difficulties. We've all been through stuff. And your testimony is a prophecy. And, and we have unfortunately, I, 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 the Lord just quickened this in my heart this way. He said, Keith, we've redefined what a successful Christian life looks like in America. And we, we've made it, we've boiled it down to this. A good, successful Christian life as an American Christian means that i got an awesome, quiet time, and I'm reading the Bible, and I'm praying, and i got some worship time, and I'm living my best life for the Lord. And all that is good and right and just and true. But let me just tell you something. Your best life for the Lord includes winning souls, making disciples, and destroying the works of the devil. Your best life for the Lord includes you prophesying and testifying of the good things that God has done in your life. Your good life, your best life includes you being a witness of the saving grace and healing power and delivering power of God into the lives of other people. How dare we live our lives and miss so many opportunities just because we've allowed the enemy to use fear and intimidation to keep us silent. Never underestimate the power of your testimony. You guys know we're about to do our 45th encounter coming up this fall here in just a couple months. Next month we'll start registration. And for those of you that have been through the encounter, you know that as part of the encounter we share a lot of our story. It's Kelly's testimony and our story of journeying through 10-year battle of suicidal depression and how God healed her and delivered her and the transformation power that happened not only in her life but in our family and in my heart. And we share that and a lot of our encounter teaching and ministry is based off what God did in us and for us and through us. And, and you guys know if you've been around us any amount of times, I got a lot of words and Kelly has a few. Right, we're exactly opposite. Most women have more words than men. Not in our house. I have a lot of words. She has a few words. I'm always up front. She's usually kind of on the front row or in the background just a little bit. And we teach at that encounter. And I do a lot of teaching and a lot of preaching. And I share her story and we share our story. And Kelly will teach and testify throughout that encounter retreat. And I'll say a hundred times more words than she'll say the entire weekend. It'll never fail. <laughs> never fail. This out end. Encounter's over. People high-five me. Pastor Keith, that was some good preaching. And then they'll walk to Kelly with tears in their eyes. 
And they'll say, I want to thank you for sharing your story. Your story changed my life. I got healed this weekend because you shared your story. I got delivered this weekend because you shared your story. I got set free this weekend because you shared your story. I'm thinking, I did all the preaching. They high-fiving me, but when they get to her, there's tears in their eyes. And they know that her testimony is a prophecy. That what God did in her, God can do for them. And it releases faith in their heart to receive what God has. Never underestimate the power of your story. Your testimony is a prophecy that changes people's lives. And to allow the enemy to intimidate us through fear. Well, I don't have anything to say other than what God's done for me. That's enough. You don't have to preach a sermon. You don't have to stand in a pulpit. You don't have to look into a camera. All you got to do is share the story. Your testimony is prophecy. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. And when you testify, you prophesy. And that's the hope of the world, guys. There's a world that's dying and going to hell. And it's your testimony that's going to shine the light in the darkness and set them free. Let's bow our heads today. I want to just challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you this morning. Let's prophesy. The Lord has spoken who can but prophesy? How do you prophesy? You say what God is saying. You say what you're seeing. And you testify of what He has done. If you're not seeing anything and you don't feel like you're hearing anything, you still got a testimony. You could still prophesy. And there is power in your testimony. So I want to challenge you today. Say, God, Lord, we just ask you this morning, let, let us not miss the opportunities. God, I thank you that every problem that we hear from the people that we encounter is an opportunity for a prophecy and a testimony. That we can prophesy by testifying of the goodness of God and the grace of God and the love of God and the mercy of God and the sustaining power of God. We can prophesy because we can testify. And Lord, I pray that as we open our mouths today wide, I ask you to fill it. Fill the mouth of Liberty Church with prophecy. Fill it with the words of the Lord. Fill it with the testimony of your grace. Fill it, God. Fill our mouths. And if you're here this morning and you're watching online and you say, you know what, Pastor Keith, I, I don't have a testimony because I've never been saved. This morning, we've already had someone give their heart and life to Christ, but maybe you're here and maybe you need to do that today. Maybe you're watching online and you need to be born again. If that's you, I want to ask you to do something right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're here today. You say, Pastor Keith, I don't have a testimony, but today I want to give my heart and life to Christ. I want to begin to, to build a story. I want to share my story with somebody else, and I want it to begin today. If that's you, and I want you to say, I want to be saved, I want you just to raise your hand. Just lift it high. If you're watching online, you can type in that chat box. You can hit that little hand emoji. Just say, I'm raising my hand. But if that's you right now, just slip your hand up today. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to begin my testimony today. I want today to be my day of salvation.
I want us to pray this prayer together. Let's say it out loud. If you're watching online, this is for you. If you're in the room here today, this is for you. I want to ask everybody to repeat it with me out loud. Here we go. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I believe you rose again on the third day. And that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Hey, welcome to the family today. We love you. And if you purchased a mission meal today, make sure to stop by the cafe and pick that up. Next Sunday, one service, 930, both campuses here. And uh, wear your best Lou Al shirt. We're going to have a great time and have a lot of fun. And uh, we love you guys. God bless you.